You're listening to the DNB Supply Show podcast, your number one resource for living the country lifestyle. This is your host, Matt Breckwald, coming to you from my place in the country to yours. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the D&B Supply Show. This is your host, Matt Breckwald, and thank you so very much for joining us here again today. Well, you know, all of us who live out here in the West, we love our pets. We love animals, dogs, cats, gerbils, guinea pigs, you name it. We love our pets. And, you know, with that, we've got animals that get out. Sometimes they get lost or they get scared, like at the 4th of July recently, animals get out and run off when they're hearing fireworks. And and then we run into situations where people have pets they can no longer take care of. And, and everyone's got such a heart for these wonderful pets that can help us so much that we are very fortunate to have a number of different animal shelters throughout our region, throughout our listening area that help us to take care of these pets and reunite them with their owners or reunite them with their new owners. And so today we're going to do an interview with Christine Schelhoff and Dr. Mike Kub from the Idaho Humane Society and talk all about how it works here in the Treasure Valley and a lot of surprises in this episode about just how far the reach goes and where some of the animals that we're able to adopt out here in the Treasure Valley come from. And I'm sure it's the same in your area as well if you're not here in the Treasure Valley. So we're going to have that interview coming up and talk all about funding, the process, how it works, everything from breeds of dogs that get adopted out the most to the least. A lot of really interesting information in here today all about those pets, those dogs, those cats, and those other pets that we all love so very much. Well, Dr. Kube and Christine, thank you so much for joining me today. Really appreciate you coming on the show. You're welcome. Thanks for having us. You bet. Looking forward to finding out all about the Idaho Humane Society and so many different aspects. I got to be honest with you, my wife and my daughter are both uh, big fans. My daughter is waiting to be old enough to come and volunteer. So last night I sat down with them and I said, what do you want to know? And I have got a long list of questions for you today. Well, we're happy to answer what I can. If not, I'll punt some off to Christine, and if not, we'll find somebody who knows the answer. <laughs> okay. Well, very good. Okay. Well, let's start off like this. So, Dr. Coop, how long have you been with the Humane Society? I've been at the Humane Society 12 years now. I've been a veterinarian for 32 years. I started here, uh, I guess, officially my position is chief of staff or director of veterinary medicine, head veterinarian of the whole Idaho Humane Society Veterinary Medical Center, the hospital part of the Idaho Humane Society. You know what I'd like to do is just kind of start off with the 30,000-foot view of the Idaho Humane Society. If if one of you can give us an overview, just kind of the mission of the Humane Society and, and what you do. Sure, sure. I think I can generally address that, and Christine can chime in too. The Idaho Humane Society is made up of kind of three separate entities. We have a shelter, of course, to take stray and unwanted animals and then find new homes for them. So that's the shelter part of the Idaho Humane Society. And then we have a very large veterinary hospital called the Idaho Humane Society Veterinary Medical Center. We have 11 full-time veterinarians. We see patients and public animals and do spays and neuters seven days a week. We're a very, very busy veterinary clinic. And then the third part of the Idaho Humane Society is our animal control services. Animal control acts to pick up uh, stray and injured animals in various cities and municipalities in the Treasure Valley. That's a contracted thing that every city and county contract with the Idaho Humane Society Animal Control Services for those kind of things. So that's the three big pictures of the big parts of the Idaho Humane Society. 
That's interesting about the animal control aspect. So that's not a county or a city-run function. They contract with the Idaho Humane Society to go out and, and take care of those animal control functions? That is my understanding. Now, I am director of veterinary medicine, not part of the <laughs> animal control services, but that's my understanding, yes. Very interesting. So how many people total do you have on staff there? I know you mentioned how many veterinarians. Uh, how about just total staff? Do you kind of have a ballpark on that? Yeah, total staff is over 100. Again, in the veterinary clinic, I have 11 or 12 veterinarians and 35 or 40 staff members. But we have over 100 full-time employees in, in all three of those aspects of the Humane Society. Now, what is the scope of animals that you will accept, I guess, at the shelter? That's a really good question. And I'm inclined to say any pets from rabbits and hamsters and, and uh, gerbils to dogs and cats, we take care of in the veterinary medical center most of those animals. Uh, we're what's called an open admission hospital. We don't turn any pets away for any reason, uh, no, no inability to pay. We take care of those animals as best as we can. The shelter will take care of and accept almost any animals also. Now, large animals are a different story. I'm going to not speak to a whole bunch of knowledge about that. We don't take in the horses and cows and that kind of stray animals. Our animal control services has some people that they call when, when a stray mm-hmm. horse is running around or something. But uh, primarily dogs and cats. 90% of what the veterinary medical center and the shelter deals with are dogs and cats. A lot of rabbits, ferrets, hamsters, all that kind of good stuff too. Now, we just got through the 4th of July. I would assume, but maybe I'm wrong, but I would assume that's your busiest time of year for intaking, you know, lost and, and located animals. Did, was it a busy 4th of July for you this year? That's true. My understanding from the shelter people, again, I'm primarily involved in the clinic, but the shelter people, we did not have as many stray, nervous, scared animals that were picked up by animal control or found running loose as we do in previous years. I, I think the general public is just getting a little more aware of that. In the clinic, we, we run a big business a couple of weeks before 4th of July, dispensing medications for sedation or tranquilization for dogs that the owners know are going to be really, really mm-hmm. anxious about 4th of July. So I think the public is just much more in tune with how their pet's going to be, and so they, they know to keep them under lock and key on 4th of July. But we did have a good number of strays that brought in, and we actually waive the uh, stray dog fee or any fees associated with dogs that are found around the 4th of July just because of that. You know, it's just a unique circumstance. Now, when a, when a lost or a found animal, a pet, comes in, do they receive medical treatment vaccinations just by default by going into the shelter? Yeah, another great question, and yes, that is true. We have a certain intake protocol. The animals are observed and checked over quickly by the animal control people as well as the shelter people. If there's something specific, major, like a laceration or a wound or something that needs to be taken care of, we have doctors on call. We have full-time shelter veterinarians that take care of those animals. So they get taken care of pretty fast. If uh, they're really anxious and really sick, they go right to the hospital, animal control people or a public person who finds a stray animal running around that has an obvious wound, they go straight into the veterinary medical center and the doctors take care of them. And then we take care of them while we're looking for the home and looking for the owners. That happens all the time. And about how many animals are brought in on a daily basis? I know the numbers are might be surprising to some folks. Well, that's a good one. I know we deal with ten or 12,000 stray animals a year total. So I would say anywhere from 30 to 40 animals a day. On weekends, it's much higher. 
you know, there's the whole cat world, stray cats and feral cats. Dogs, stray dogs are less than they used to be, again, because I think the public is just much better educated on how to take care of their animals and watch them and keep them in under lock and key and mm-hmm. backyards that aren't so easy for a dog to get out of. I think, the, again, the public is just uh, just better served about taking care of their animals. Well, I'll tell you what, let's take a quick break when we come back. Well, I want to know where the bulk of the pets that are coming in the shelter are coming from, all right? Fair enough, you bet. You wear jeans, but you live in Levi's. At DMB Supply, we've got a pair to fit you just right. Iconic and hardworking. Levi's are legendary. Worn by cowboys, rock stars, and everyday people, we carry different washes, styles, and sizes for both men and women. These jeans are ready for anything your day brings, from working outside to a night on the town. The denim legacy lives on every time you put them on. So pick up some Levi's at DMB. DMB's got just the feed for every horse at every life stage. Purina Strategy. Whether your horses are growing, breeding, showing, or performing, Purina Strategy delivers the right density of protein, energy, and fat with less starch for more endurance and overall stamina. It's true. The standard in horse feed just got better. Our Purina Strategy horse feed now includes Outlast Supplement to support the gastric health of every horse in your barn. We'll see you soon at your favorite DMB Supply. All right. Well, welcome back, Dr. Kube. I, I wanted to continue asking you just kind of how the process works. And of the pets that are coming into the shelter, lost, stray pets, whatever they may be, where do most of them come from? Are, are they from the city or from the rural environments? Do, do you know that? Yes. When the animal control people go pick up a stray animal, say a public person says, hey, there's a dog running around my front yard right now, they'll call animal control services or local county sheriff's police department, which then contact our animal control services that then go out and get that animal, bring it into the shelter. Well, we check them for a microchip. Uh, Microchips are very popular now, and that's Mm -hmm. a great, great thing. I mean, microchips help their animals find their homes right away. So it's a distance thing. Most of the animals that come in here are local from Boise area cities. Uh, We do see animals from all of southwest Idaho. We get a lot of transfers for adoptable animals in from all over the Western United States. We have shelters in Arizona, shelters in California that bring shipments of animals that their shelters are overrun with, and we find homes for those guys. Boise is a real sponge when it comes to adopting animals. We have had many occasions where we'll get 20 or 30 or 40 shipped in dogs uh, from Southern California, and we make a little PR announcement about it, and there are people waiting in the door waiting to adopt those animals. It's really heartwarming in this town. This city is really good about that. We also have a very progressive hospital. Uh, Dr. Rosenthal is our executive director, does a lot of orthopedic surgeries. So we receive a lot of injured animals from shelters in southwest Idaho um, that have the, the veterinary services at the shelter that they were originally at aren't capable to take care of them. Bad broken legs, bad wounds, major surgeries. Um, our veterinary staff uh, is, is well-versed in taking care of just about anything that can go wrong with the dog. And so animals that otherwise would have to have had an amputated leg or some other surgery or not at all be put to sleep because of their injuries, mm-hmm. uh, shelters in southwest Idaho can bring those animals to us and we'll fix them and find them a home. And it's really, it's really heartwarming. And we do a good job. I'll pat myself on the back. <laughs> Well, that's great. You know, that's really interesting about the transfers from around the country. So, obviously, 
you understand how many dogs or cats are being adopted out on a daily basis, if you can fulfill some of that demand with, with uh, I guess, a surplus of adoptable pets from other shelters, you do that to keep them from being put to sleep or something like that? Is that how that works? That's, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Some communities aren't as growing as much as Boise is, and so we have you know, a huge population here. Mm -hmm. Uh, Boise is still more of a semi-urban, semi-rural population. And the mentality for people in this community for for pets, especially dogs, is is different from a real urban place. Uh, There's just not as much space for them in in Los Angeles or something. But as Mm -hmm. opposed to Boise, are able to have pets a lot easier and have multiple pets, whereas in some places of the country, they're not. For example, last week alone, I've got some data here, we adopted 129 animals last week. That was 69 cats, 54 dogs, four birds, one rabbit, and one ferret. That was probably the week of the 4th of July. And that's probably average. And yeah, the the ferrets and rabbits, we do a lot of rabbits here. Rabbits are an amazingly cool pet, and we spay and neuter them before they get adopted. All the animals that are adopted from here are spayed and neutered before they get adopted, similar to the ones that are shipped in. If they have some medical problems, we take care of it. Mm-hmm. But then they get their basic vaccinations and basic spay and neuters, get a microchip, and then we find them a great home. Let's talk about spaying and neutering really quick. Uh, so this is a priority. This is part of the protocol. Why is that so important? Well, um, shelters exist because of the overpopulation of pets. There are more animals, more especially dogs and cats. Let's just talk about dogs and cats. There are more dogs and cats in the United States than there are homes. And so uh, animal shelters, animal welfare organizations do everything we can to decrease the overpopulation of pets. And so our mission is to spay and neuter everything we can get our hand on so that they don't have unwanted puppies and unwanted kitties. It's a little bit of a losing battle. However, I've been in Boise 30 years and my knowledge of the dog industry or the dog world is we do not, and the shelter here is a evidence of that, we mm-hmm. do not have a lot of unwanted excess of dogs here in Ada County in southwestern Idaho. That's why we're able to ship in dogs from shelters and parts of the country that are way overpopulated, and we're able to absorb those animals into the Boise community, which is a great thing. Cats are a little bit of a different story. Cats are way better than they used to be. You talk to any veterinarian in the valley, um, years ago, every day in the spring, there'd be a box of kittens at the front door that Mm -hmm. people couldn't find for just extra kitties. We're catching up a little bit. We do feral cat spay and neuter clinics. In fact, tonight we have on schedule this evening, we're going to do 25 feral cats, spay and neuter them to make sure that they don't have more babies. It's a bit of an endless bucket, but we're catching up a little bit. So spaying and neutering is the key. Dogs and cats, they live longer, healthier lives if they're spayed and neutered. Lots and lots of medical and behavioral reasons for spaying and neutering your dogs. Let's take another break. When we come back, I want to know about the process if somebody has a pet they can no longer take care of and they want to bring it in. You bet. Things are heating up around here at D&B. You'll see why when you check out our wide selection of high-performance stoves from Harman, Quadrifier, and Heat-A-Later EcoChoice. These classic pellet and wood-burning stoves light up your hearth and home. They give you even heat and easy maintenance with craftsmanship that stands the test of time and really stands out. So swing on by D&B Supply and see how Harman, Quadrifier, and Heat-A-Later Eco-Choice stoves can warm up your home. 
When you need to ride with trust, loyalty, honesty, and high-performing gear, ride with Weaver Leather, available at DMB Supply. For work, trail, and competition, Weaver Leather handcrafts original designs with the horse person in mind. Handcrafted in the U.S. for more than 40 years, you'll find innovative designs, skilled craftsmanship, keen attention to detail, and only the finest materials in every Weaver Leather product. To ride tall in the saddle, stop by your favorite DMB supply for Weaver Leather. Well, all right, Dr. Coop, now that we're back, I wanted to ask you, I know this is something that can be poignant for people, but you have folks that get to a point where they can no longer take care of their pets for one reason or another, and they bring them to you hoping to get them uh, rehomed or adopted to another loving family, don't you? Yes, of course. Our shelter is, again, we're an open admission shelter. We'll take any animal for any reason. And yeah, it just is a circumstance of life. comes a point where sometimes people can't take care of their pets or it's owned by an, an older family member and there's just not space in other people's lives for that. Some of those older pets are great animals and we do not euthanize those animals. So, uh, there, it is a very, very rare animal that gets put to sleep out here for just being unwanted. We have a huge foster program that takes animals that need, have special needs, maybe special medication, mm-hmm. uh, special circumstances in their life. And then we have a lot of foster fails, which means the foster person themselves adopts that animal. Okay. That's always a good outcome, actually. But yeah, pets owned by senior people, senior pets themselves. There's always a place we can find for them for whatever circumstance in their life they can be. Now, uh, you brought up the foster families, and I told you my daughter's all excited to come volunteer, and that's a question she gave me. So how does the fostering work, and and what are the requirements for those families that are willing to be foster families for pets? Sure. I'm going to have Christine answer a little bit about that. Okay. So we're always excited to bring on board new foster families, and it could be as simple as taking a puppy in for a couple weeks, or it could be something where an animal needs recovering from a hospital surgery. Mm -hmm. Uh, We also, right now, it's it's bottle baby season for us, so we have a lot of kittens that are coming in through our doors. People find them. They think the mother's abandoned them. Possibly the mother's off hunting, but regardless, we get the animal in, and it's our job to um, nurture them and try to grow them out until they're old enough for adoption. So you would just simply contact the foster application, and that is on our website at Mm idahohumanesociety.org. And once you fill out that application, the foster family will add you to their list, and you can let them know specifically what your needs are. If you would like to be a very involved foster parent or someone who just takes on cases for fairly easy pets, it's really up to the family to decide how involved they'd like to be. It's a great, a great service. Our foster people are so valuable from especially from the veterinary medicine standpoint. If I get a stray dog in that has a broken leg, we can't find the owner, we're going to, of course, fix that broken leg as soon as we possibly can. But then there's a rehab place there before we can really adopt them out. Mm-hmm. And that's where a lot of our foster families take care of those guys for a while. And it's, it's just a great circumstance. And then as Christine mentioned, um, bottle babies and raising kittens, there is nothing more fun for uh, you know young people, teenagers, young people, your, your daughter, 11, 12 years old, to get three or four little kittens that need to be bottle fed a couple of times a day, raise them for a few weeks, turn them into these cool little kitty balls of fur, um, <laughs> and then help them in homes. That's really a, a valuable, valuable thing we do. If we didn't have all the bottle baby feeders and all of our foster programs, most of those animals would have to be put to sleep. We just don't have yeah. space for them. So it's really, really a valuable thing. Now, can the foster families have their own pets at home? Sure. There, there, of course, there's always unique circumstances. If you've got a dog that's aggressive towards cats, 
right. we might make some exceptions there. But yeah, there's the foster program is really excellent at working that out. You know, how many animals you have at home, what contact you, you might want to have between your own pets at home and the foster pets. There's always the possibility of disease transmission. But yeah, that's in fact, I would say it's the exception to the rule to have a foster family not have their own pets at home. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the deal of raising a foster pet is having them be socialized with other people and other animals and other circumstances before we find them their, their final home. Now, I, I wanted to ask you about adoption and specifically, I guess, types or colors of dogs and cats. Are, is there a type or a color that's more popular than others? And, and do you get some in where you go, oh, this poor dog, this breed or this color doesn't get adopted as much? Well, that's a good one. And it, I'm sure you're probably referring to black dogs. And black dogs nationwide are known to be not as adoptable. Uh, you put 10 dogs in a run and all different colors and sh- shapes and sizes, the black dog is going to be adopted last. Total misinformation there. Many, many black lab, black lab mixes are great dogs. So uh, I, I guess I would say there's nothing really special, although I usually see any animal that has something a little bit unusual, you know, mm-hmm. a really unique mustache or a unique color on their face or some unique patterns in their in their fur. They're going to people are going to look at that a little first, look at that a little more closely and maybe want to adopt them first. But uh we we do a great job and the public in Boise does a great job at adopting pretty much anything we can get on the floor and get them adopted. Breed-wise, of course, there's always the misnomer and the miscommunications about pits, pit bulls and pit mixes. Mm-hmm. Um pit bull dogs, we have a lot of them in the shelters. Shelters around the world, around the country, are very full of a lot of pit bull mixes. There's some ordinances in cities that have some real restrictions about that. We have no problems with them. There's pit lover groups in town that are just, they're great dogs, really good family dogs. They're, like any dogs, need some training like a Labrador does, like a Chihuahua does. But Mm -hmm. uh, I would not have any qualms in adopting a pit bull or a pit bull mix to anybody. Now, the the lack of adoption or the reduced adoption of black dogs, is that just a myth or is that actually going on? Well, it's it's psychologically going on a little bit, but we just don't really see it in our shelter. Okay. Um, black Labs are some of the nicest dogs in the world, yeah. and, and, and so we don't have any real problems. But that's actually, I just walked past a poster on the way in here. It says, black dogs need adopted too. Well, again, in our place, because Boise is such a great adopting community, we don't have any real problems with it. We do, I want to mention one little thing. We do have a special, we talked earlier about spays and neuters, and I just briefly mentioned about pit bulls. We have a special program for spaying and neutering pit bulls. It's even a lower cost than our regular low cost spay and neuter prices. Mm -hmm. And it's just because there's maybe a little psychology behind some people who own pit bull and pit bull mixes have maybe a little less tendency to want to have them spayed and neutered. If we do have them spayed and neutered, they're much more adoptable. And so we want to do everything we can to encourage those people to have their pet spayed and neutered. So we have a lower special price for spaying and neutering pit bull and pit bull mixes. Well, I'll tell you what, let's take another break. I want to ask you about community outreach when we come back. Sure. The chicken or the egg? D&B knows what comes first. It's Neutrina NatureWise Layer Chicken Feed which leads to both a healthier chicken and fresh, hard-shelled eggs. With over 90 years of experience raising healthy poultry, Neutrina NatureWise gives your hens wholesome, natural nutrition they can sink their beaks into. Free-range and home-raised flocks gobble this expertly designed and formulated layer feed in pellets and crumbles. So flock to your favorite D&B supply to pick up a bag of Neutrina NatureWise Layer Chicken Feed for balanced nutrition. We love George Strait for more than his music. 
After 56 number one singles, George is still a family man and a real cowboy. That's why we love him, and that's why he wears nothing but Wrangler. The George Strait Cowboy Cut Collection by Wrangler has a huge selection of styles a cowboy can be comfortable wearing anywhere. So head to your favorite D&B supply and try the George Strait Cowboy Cut Collection by Wrangler. Long live cowboys. Well, Dr. Koob and, and Christine, now that we're back, I want to ask you about community outreach and, and what kind of community outreach does the Humane Society participate in? We have a number of events that we visit and go to, and we really love our volunteers that come and work with us. I think they're one of our biggest community outreach advocates that we have. We have several thousand volunteer hours each month that volunteers uh, dedicate to the Idaho Humane Society, and we absolutely are so dependent on that work that they do. It's very important, and they're a huge advocate for us in the community, but we're also available to come to various events, and so a lot of our events are sometimes staffed by volunteers or staff members just depending on the event that is coming up. So if you have an event and you'd like to have the Idaho Humane Society come out and visit you, contact us on IdahoHumaneSociety.org, and we'll definitely take a look at it. But we're always out for uh, doing education with the community and letting them know what their efforts can be done and how they can take their pets and keep them healthy and how they can just have a better lifestyle with animals. We have lots of uh, major events, too. What are our major events? Our major events, we have several. We're getting ready for Sea Spot Walk, which is our yearly, it's the biggest dog walk that we have in the Treasure Valley. And we've just started added a new 5K this year. We also have Sea Spot Splash, uh, which is in the fall, and that takes place at the Natatorium downtown. Mm-hmm. And we have Sea Stripe Sit, which is at a winery, and we do what's called the Sip and Purr Finale there. And so that's at Cinder. And so we finish up for all of our feline lovers and then we have a lawn party which is our biggest fundraiser of the year and we're actually just getting ready for the lawn party next week here so um and in the winter we'll sometimes do a uh, feed frankie's friends where we'll do a big bulk uh, canned food and dry food drive for animals and we also have a couple programs for outreach which is the pet food pantry and that's where maybe someone is going through a rough patch and they are going through a financial burden and we don't want to see them lose their pet So what we will do is they can apply and we can give them assistance so that they can get food for their pet. Then they don't have to turn the pet over to us because we always want to see families stay together. And we also have a Meals on Wheels program because we were finding that Meals on Wheels recipients were actually giving their food for themselves to their pets. And we want to make sure everyone Mm -hmm. in the household is taken care of. So we actually will deliver pet food in conjunction with the Meals on Wheels deliveries. So um, we have a lot of great programs available to the public to participate in. And did you have something else to add, Dr. Koop? To add to what you do, and all of those events are staffed by mostly volunteers, which is a a huge part of our whole makeup is our volunteer people. And some volunteers uh, help year after year after year on C-Spot Walk. Some volunteers help year after year after year on every single event they can get their foot in. So we, we have a big presence in the community, and we really appreciate our dedicated volunteers. It helps a lot. Yeah, absolutely. It's wonderful what the community comes out and does for you. And I, I wanted to follow up talking about community outreach with a, a program that I had uh, seen stories about and read about, and that is uh, working with the Department of Corrections. Can you speak to that? So it's the Inmate Dog Alliance Project of Idaho, and it's a community partnership between the Idaho Department of Correction and the Idaho Humane Society. So it's a really great program because sometimes we'll get dogs brought in that are transfers or that are stray 
And these animals, sometimes they're even owner surrenders. These animals are just um, full of bad habits. They haven't had an owner or someone who loves them, care about them and work with them on their behavior. So maybe they bark a lot. Maybe they are running away. Maybe they will jump on you and they're really big dogs. And so this is an opportunity for us to give one-on-one training with them. So they'll go away for about eight weeks and they will go to various prisons around the Treasure Valley and the inmates will work with them for that eight-week period of time and then the dogs will be available for graduation. And these dogs are so cool. About uh, 30 dogs are enrolled in the ADAPI program uh, at some point in time, and then they come here for graduation. So if you're interested in adopting an ADAPI dog, then you can just uh, apply online uh, on our website and just click on ADAPI application, and you can find who they are. But one of the key things that they take away is um, the ADAPI experience helps teach inmates responsibility, patience, tolerance, persistence, and empathy. So not only is it a win-win for the dogs, but it's also a win-win for the inmate. Mm -hmm. And it really gives them something to strive for to uh, be a part of this program because it is a highly sought-after program, and you really have to earn it at the uh, facilities. They're really good. My understanding is there's a waiting list for inmates that want to get involved with this program, and it gives gives them a really good focus. These dogs that go through this program really, really, really learn their P's and Q's and how to cross their T's and dot their I's. They're mm-hmm. very, very well trained um, and and are just great dogs. I recently had an opportunity to adopt an IAPI dog from the program, and she is one of the best dogs I've ever owned. She, like I mentioned, she just really knows her basic commands and is a really, really sweet dog. Um, I'm happy to have her, and I've had lots and uh, in the veterinary clinic we see lots of great circumstances that people have adopted dogs from that program. It's a very valuable thing. Yeah, really, really cool program, and it's great that it's it's a win-win, right? It's good yeah. for the pet, good for the for the inmates as well. Yeah, we do also have a program called the Whisker Program, which is W I S K R stands for Women Inmate and Social Kitty Retreat, and these are cats and kittens that go to the women's facility. Christine, you got more information? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we looked at taking dogs over to the Women's Correctional Facility and discovered they don't have a fence. So we couldn't take the dogs over there, but we thought, what can we do to uh, make this work? And so we decided that they would work with uh, cats recovering from respiratory infections, mother cats and their babies, and also orphan kittens that need that bottle feeding. So bottle feeding really is so important this time of year because they'll need to be fed every three hours, and that is around the clock. And so uh, these ladies are so integral to saving cats' lives. And, again, it really provides something to achieve. And I went and did an interview at the facility a couple months ago, and the warden there said, if I could put a cat in every single room, I would, because it encourages teamwork. It encourages the ladies to work together towards a common goal, and it's really just transformed the facility. So um, they are doing amazing work with our cat feline community. That's another good deal. The kitties get socialized, they get used to being handled. It's just another win-win for everybody. That is great. Well, let's take our final break, and when we come back, I want to talk about your new shelter and funding and and all of the things that make it possible for you to operate this great facility. Great. Tailgating season's here, and D&B Supplies got just the generator to run your stuff. The Honda EU2000. Uh, The EU2000 is excellent for tailgating because it's super quiet. So generally, you're in a parking lot with a lot of other people. They get irritated if you've got a real loud generator. So that's one of the biggest things. And then, of course, you can fill the tank up, and generally it's going to last all the time that you're out there tailgating. 
The Honda EU2000, available at D&B Supply. Say you were to ride off into the sunset. Ideally, what kind of boots and clothes would you be wearing? For horseback riders of all styles, nothing beats the look and performance of Ariat. Available at DMB Supply. Everyone from famous rodeo cowboys to country music legends to equestrian Olympians. Turn to Ariat with confidence. You can count on them too. Think of Ariat as your ultimate riding companion for the life and times in the West. When you need to better outfit your ride with Ariat, stop by your favorite DMB Supply. All right. Well, now that we're back, let's talk about your new shelter. Tell us all about that. That's pretty exciting. Well, yeah, briefly, let me mention from the veterinary perspective, um, yeah, we're building a whole new shelter. It, the walls are going up. The It actually almost looks like a building. I was out there to tour it the other day. It's on Overland Road uh, between Cole and Maple Grove on the north side there. It's going to be a big, brand-new hospital that will serve both public and shelter animals, as well as a really nice state-of-the-art adoption center and shelter. We're looking at getting into it next spring. They're not really saying the month. Uh, we've always been hoping February. We'll see what happens. But, yeah, we have had a capital campaign going for several years, still needing more dollars, but it's going to be a really new, exciting place. Uh, Christine's probably got some more information about the capital campaign on that. We are really excited about our new facility. It's going to be 42,000 square feet. And as Dr. Coop said, we're looking to move in in February, March timeframe next year. But we are really excited about the dog kennels in particular. At least I have to say I am. I know everybody has their uh, their thing that they're looking forward to in the new shelter. But if you come to our facility now, it's very loud. It echoes off of each other, and the kennels aren't so great. But our new clinic is going to have a state-of-the-art roomier dog kennels for them. And it's going to have sanitary air and light, and there's going to be new play areas for the dogs. So we're super excited about that. But our cats are also going to get a boost. They are going to have cat colony rooms. So you're going to see a lot more cats free roaming. Mm -hmm. And they'll also have the opportunity to visit the catio so they can go outside and enjoy some of that fresh air and looking at people and wildlife and all that stuff. So it's going to be just a really great facility. We've raised about $12 million so far. Our budget right now is about $14 million. I want to say 14 and a half. So we're almost at the point where we have paid the shelter off, but we certainly could use any donations if people want to help donate towards our capital campaign fund. We're just really excited about the shelter and serving our community in this way. Generally, a nicer place to go, not a lot old-fashioned. The shelter facility we had out here before the present one was even even louder and, and not as nice, but this will be a new state-of-the-art, just like Christine mentioned, air handling, lighting, um, not much quieter, smaller rooms for the dogs, socialization instead of individual cages. It's going to be a great new place. So now is everything moving or is it just one aspect that's moving? That's a really good question. And honest with you, we're still in the throes of deciding what's going to go where and who's going to do what. The public part of the veterinary clinic is going to go to the new facility. The shelter, some of the holding facilities will still be here at our old facility. Mm -hmm. um, the new facility will be pretty much an adoption center. Animals that are out there are going to be ready to go. They're going to be ready to be adopted. In our veterinary clinic, we still take care of all pets, low-income people especially, uh, we do have some qualifications for regular veterinary care for vaccinations. So the brand new veterinary clinic out there, brand new adoption center, some of the services, animal control services may still stay out here at this old facility. We've got, what, probably 10 months now to decide exactly how, how the distribution of labor is going to happen. Well, that's incredible that you were able to do that and with so much 
funding that comes in. Let's talk about that for a second. Where does your funding come from and, and who do you rely on to be able to operate? So the capital campaign funds have been 100% completely funded through donations. And so those are given through various foundations. DMB is one of our donors. And so there are naming opportunities available if somebody wants to have a cow named after their dog or a room or whatnot. There are plenty of opportunities for that. So you could contact our chief development officer if you're interested. We're also going to be kicking off a sale campaign where you can get pictures of your pet memorialized on the new building and you can write a few words uh, underneath it. So we have some different opportunities to donate and to get the word out about how you can participate in being mm-hmm. an active part of the shelter. Of course, we do rely upon other regular donations for various programs. All of our shelter, uh, if you've lost a pet and you redeem your pet, all of that money, 99% goes to the city for law enforcement purposes. So they have basically deputized our Idaho Humane uh, Care and Control officers. Mm-hmm. And you're paying late fees or you're paying different fees because your dogs may be not licensed and they ran away. The only money that we keep is their boarding fees. The rest of the money goes back to the city. A lot of people aren't familiar with that aspect of it. But we do rely on, on um, programs, our whisker program for uh, cat food, cat litter, you know, we do take uh, ask for donations for our pet food pantry and Meals on Meals programs. Those are also donor-funded. So we have a number of ways that you can give back, and you can specifically earmark your money to go to a specific place. So if you are a cat lover, you can definitely let us know that that's where you're, you'd like your funds to be spent. And then if there's folks out there who don't have the financial resources to donate money, are there items that they can donate to the shelter that are in need? Absolutely. We have a list on our website of things that we're looking for. So if you click on the Donate tab and then under Needed Items, there's a whole uh, long list of uh, household items that you can donate. And we also look for pet food. In the spring, we're always looking for kitten food, which is called CAMR, and it's pretty expensive uh, formula that we have to give the kittens. And so there is a list that you can refer to. And, of course, like we said, we always love our volunteers. And some of our volunteers can donate one hour a year, or they can donate, you know, 10 hours a week. It's completely up to the volunteer, and they can decide how they'd like to give back and how busy they'd like to be. We're just grateful for all the help we can get. So it can cost you nothing except your time, and we will appreciate that. And we couldn't be the shelter that we are today without our volunteers. Well, so our listening audience, you know, it spreads from Pendleton, Oregon, all the way down through the Treasure Valley and, and down around Twin Falls and, and throughout the Magic Valley. I would assume that the volunteers that you have here and the donations you receive here in the Treasure Valley, it's got to be just as important for people to get involved in all those other areas because these these issues with pets and rehoming and adoption and all of that go on all across the nation. Yeah, we work closely with almost all the shelters in the area that you mentioned, from Twin Falls to the Magic Valley shelters to Sun Valley people, Ketchum shelters. Eastern Oregon, we work closely with them as far as, from my perspective, from medical needs and surgical needs that they may need in their shelters to um, transferring animals that they've had in their place for too long and just can't seem to find a home for them. Animals get transferred locally from local shelters to our shelters just as much as we get those animals from other parts of the country too. 
So again, Boise is a great place for the pet owning public. It's a real sponge for, for dogs and cats. We love it. Well, hey, thanks to both of you for what you do. Thank you very much to all your colleagues for what you all do for the pets and in our community and from around the nation. That's something I learned today. And thank you very much for coming on and sharing with us today. You're welcome, Matt. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you all for joining us today, and here is to you and your pursuit of the country lifestyle, however you define it. For the DNB Show, I'm Matt Breckwald.